then do not let the stories in your head stop you from stepping into your greatness. You're listening to Femcanic Garage, the podcast that features women in the automotive and motorsports industries. A community that elevates, empowers, and evolves by smashing stereotypes and breaking down barriers for women. I'm your host, Jamie Glossman. Buckle up for the ride, Femcanics. Hello, Femcanics. Welcome to the very first Shop Talk episode. The difference between Shop Talk episodes and our regular episodes is that during the Shop Talk episodes, we spend almost the entire time on the given topic and less time on the guest journey. So it's digging in deep to the topics such as painting, welding, you name it, we will be digging into it for Shop Talk. You'll be able to find them because I will be labeling them Shop Talk in the title of each Shop Talk episode. And this first Shop Talk episode is actually about racing. To go along with this new format, what I'm going to be doing is actually reading the bio directly from the Shift Up Now website. You guys can go check it out at shiftupnow.com of the two amazing women that are in the driver's seat today. It is Lynn Schultz Keo and Karen Savaggio. You have the founder and CEO of Shift Up Now and the president of Shift Up Now. Let's start with Lynn. Lynn founded Shift Up Now in 2016 after being bit by the racing bug. She started racing in 2015 after spending three years moving up the ranks in high-performance driving education programs. She attended her first track day through a charity auction win and was hooked. She also did ice racing with AMEC. Lynn also trained at Le Mans, France, attending a Porsche driving school stage. Lynn started Shift Up Now and serves as its CEO. Her goal for Shift Up Now, use motorsports to show girls and women how to develop courage and confidence so they will succeed in achieving their own personal and professional goals. Lynn manages Shift Up Now drivers for speaking engagements to girls and women about how their racing experiences boost their own paths in life. Karen's in the driver's seat as well. She began her racing career in 1985 at NASCAR dirt track events in California. She then moved to road racing with the Vintage Auto Racing Association, eventually competing in the Women's Global GT with the American Le Mans Series. Karen has secured more than 200 first-place finishes in driving competitions and was named NASA Instructor Driver of the Year. Karen has competed nine times at the 25 Hours of Thunder Hill, most recently placing second in class at the 2018 race with the Shift Up Now team's BMW Spec E30. Karen served nine years in the U.S. Air Force as an aircraft mechanic working on B-52s and KC-135 aircraft. In 1985, she left the military to pursue a career in education, earning a doctorate in organizational leadership, a master's degree in education, and a bachelor's degree in social science. She served 23 years as a teacher, principal, director of special education, and retired in the role of superintendent of schools. Karen is an active member of SEMA, serving as a select 
committee member on the SEMA Business Women's Network. She was featured on the Power Block Detroit Muscle Television show as a team lead for an all-girl build on a 427 Cobra Roadster and a driving instructor with the National Auto Sports Association. Sit back, enjoy the show, Femcanics, because this is one that you will not want to miss. Jamie B. coming to you from the Women in Automotive Conference here down in Orlando in 2019. And I have two special guests that uh, are willing to let me pick their brain about something I'm selfishly interested in. Racing. I've always had an interest in it. I have Lynn and Karen with me. Thanks for being here, guys, from Check Out Now. Thanks for having us. Super excited. We just got chatting. I met you guys literally two days ago at dinner. And I was like a little kid in a candy store, just about ready to fall out of my chair. So I'm like, ooh, racing. So quick introduction, just so folks can get used to your voice a little better. So I'm Lynn. Thank you, Lynn. Hi, I'm Karen Salvaggio. And all of you heard in the bio prior to this, the amazing credentials these two women have. And I selfishly asked them, can you please talk about how do you get into racing as a female? I know it's probably consistent with men, too, but... I'm a woman, and in my career in male-dominated fields, there always seems to be some little obstacles that women have to overcome that men sometimes just don't. So why don't we start there? Where, where, and how do women get involved? And in, you know, where? I'll be honest, I'm I'm a little scared and intimidated. Like, where do I even begin? Do I have to have a thirty thousand dollar car, a hundred thousand dollar car to get into racing? No, actually, and you know, it's interesting that you bring this up because. What we have found about women, and this would be across industries and across you know, workplace, hobbies, guys will just show up and start doing stuff. Women almost have to be invited. And it's, and, it's it, and when it comes to racing, it's so far out of the wheelhouse of what most women would even think about doing, especially culturally as we were raised. You know, it's not one of the things that, you know, you have toys in the store. On the girls' aisle, there's not a lot of race cars there. No, right. You just don't buy them. The Hot Wheels cars are on the, you know, on the, on the end side, of right, on the side. Blue side. Right. Yeah. right. So you, it's interesting that you point that out because it's right. You're right. that you, We have to be invited. So the first thing is if you want to become a race car driver is you have to think about it and say, hmm, this is something of interest to me. And I can tell you this is required even outside of racing. It's something you even think remotely. What's the, what I always tell people is, okay, if you wanted to learn how to fish, where would you go? Go talk to a fisherman. Right. Go and, talk to a fisherman. And you go to the lake. And you go to the yeah. lake. Or the ocean. Go, where would you find a fisherman? <laughs> Probably at the lake or the ocean. Yeah. So when it comes to racing, you know, if you want to talk to a racer, go to a racetrack. That's the first thing. Like you search it out, see if there's something in your area. It could be a drag strip, it could be a little rounded round bull ring, it could be something like if you're blessed enough to have a big racetrack, and you go there and just start getting in the ambiance of the place. That's like step one. I, I'll tell you what, what was interesting. I actually went and watched Christina Lamb race, and I, I was surprised how simple and easy it is to go to the lock. They're called the lock pads, right? The paddock? The paddock. Yeah, I'm sorry. Right. It's fine. Right. The paddock. I'm thinking of Molly right for a time, but um, <laughs> making shit up as I go. But you don't know makeup. Right. right. You know? It's something you know, something yeah. you know or something you think you know. <laughs> And I, I was shocked at how easy it was to go back there and how personable. Like, like literally, you just walk up. Their cars are sitting out after they're done racing, and you can just start a conversation with these people. And that was kind of foreign. It was the first time that I did that. And you know, my partner and I were walking around, and we were thinking, "Are we allowed to be back there?" 
are you gonna get in trouble being back here? I'm like, well, she told us to come back here. I'm like, but you don't, well, right? Well, and at, at club races and amateur racing, one of the things that we're all trying to do is get more people involved. And so being open and having those conversations and allowing people to come in and see what it is is well helpful in that. So, so step one, go watch a race. Don't be afraid to go back where the actual cars are, either pre-race or after the race. You're not going to get in trouble. Now, <laughs> naturally, if it's NASCAR, you have that pit pass. So it's different. But right, right. But in amateur racing, I mean, most of the tracks you can get into the track facility for either a nominal charge or no charge at all. And and then once you're there, just, you know, walk around the, the paddocks and start talking to people. Um, the other thing is, you know, Karen and I got into racing very differently and at very different points in our lives. And um, I actually was in the real estate investment management business and then banking before that. And I was at a charity luncheon for an organization, a real estate organization. And some guy put up a day at the racetrack as an auction item and I bid on it and I won it. And that's how I got started. So cool. And I actually um, was, was a little bit older than most. And, you know, for anybody out there who's listening, who thinks they can't, they shouldn't, they're too old. I actually did my first race on my 56th birthday, and it wasn't yesterday. <laughs> um, you know, Karen's path was a little bit different. So, you want to talk about your path to racing? Right. Well, and mine, mine started. I knew from the from the time I was a little girl that I was going to do something in racing. I didn't know what. I didn't know how. But even when I had my bicycle, I was setting up an autocross course in my driveway and out <laughs> on the street, much to the dismay of my neighbors. I had stuff in the street, and they're like, "Get back out of there!" Yeah. But I just, I love, I love the idea of speed and balance and performance, and just, just you know, getting better and testing myself. So I knew I was going to be in the you know, in your eight. What do you know? Right. You know? Right. But but later on in but life, yeah, you knew. But I knew. I yeah. you know, and there was there used to be a TV show one called ABC Wide World of Sports. It oh, was yeah. so huge in my life as I was growing up. So in the sixties and seventies, I'd watch that, and that's where I actually saw racing for the first time. I was doing that. So I'd be inside on Saturday afternoons, you know, watching Talladega or Daytona or something. My brothers are outside playing, but. Anyway, bottom line is I happened to be, I joined the Air Force later in life. It's another crazy adventure. One of those things where you have to kind of just step in and go. You know, I didn't have the money to go to college, so I found out they had the GI Bill and I went in. And it turned out, you know, it you good. became a mechanic. I began as an aircraft mechanic, and which is another whole crazy, <laughs> crazy thing. But, one, you know, here's your adventure. You say yes and go and say yes and go. Well, it turns out I'm a crew chief on a plane, and the guy who had a plane next to me was... Um, Thank you. <laughs> the guy had playing next to me. He had a stock car, and he asked me if I come down and help him at the track. And next thing you know, I said yes. And then he said, "You want to take it out?" Yes. And I, like the next day, I went and bought a stock car. <laughs> wow. A series of yes. <laughs> yeah. So you've been in the racing industry for how long? That was when I was 28. I'll tell you right now, I'm 63. <laughs> I'm still doing it. Lots of experience. So here I am. I have an interest in And my dad's an avid NASCAR fan. I never really followed NASCAR. I have a respect for the sport. You kind of start, there's so many facets you can get into around racing. And 
a lot of people because NASCAR is very widely known. Um, so like when going and watching Christina uh, race, there's street racing, there's rally racing, there's drag racing, there's you know motorcycles, there's autocross. Can you guys just kind of demystify this a little bit? Because when I mention it to people, like, their minds are blown, right. right? Where, you know, drag racing didn't really light my fire. I have a respect for it. There's so many variations of this. Does that make sense? So, so I think a lot of people get started in autocross because it's usually, you don't have to be at a racetrack to do it. Um, clubs set up autocross in big parking lots all over the country. And you know, you set up cones and you do a little path through the cones, and it's an it's an easy and inexpensive. Most people use their own car for that. Yes, most people you use their, their street car and and go ahead and. Do you, you have know, to have a you know built up sports car? No, nope. you can you can use a station wagon if you want. I mean, right. You can use the minivan if you want. But here's here's what's happened. Here's what happened. So you go out and you have your daily driver and you go out, and as soon as you've done your first run. And you figure out, like, you, you do your second run, and then you start comparing your times with other people. Okay, <laughs> then the slippery, here's the slippery slope. Okay, you're like, oh, you know, now I need a car that, you know, I've got too much roll in the body. I've got to change the springs. I, you know, I need to get a bigger sway bar. I need better tires yeah. because now I'm on my suit tires, and I'm ripping them up, and now it's hard to drive home on them when I shave the corners off, you know. <laughs> so so yeah. the slippery slope is... You get tired, you do this, next thing you know, you got a little trailer because you have so much stuff. <laughs> because and then all of a sudden you really you're like, oh, I know I can beat that guy. And the next thing you know, you're and then you come and you, or you find the one that's talking shit or yeah, totally, that's right. Oh, you're right. just a girl and then that little fire starts right. burning yeah, in your stomach. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Well, and, slippery slope. and when you're somebody like, you know, Christina Lamb, you've got a sticker on your car that says you just been passed by a girl. <laughs> so, you know, Karen can do that. <laughs> you have to be, you have to be really good to wear that sticker on yeah, your car yeah, yeah. and graduate. Well, right. the thing about, about, and I'm with you on the drag racing thing. I've done it, but you sit in line for an awfully long time, and then you go whatever your time is, and then you wait a long so time. So many seconds. But the thing, and so I'm not, but I'm not going to diss you know drag racing because honestly. It also is a very easy entry point for people. Anybody can show up. You got to have a helmet, yes. Get yourself some kind of a helmet, and you can. It's actually one of the greatest historical pieces because street racing has been street racing. You can go back and look at movies from the forties and fifties when they went, you know, Vermont mm -hmm. or wherever on PCH or something, and they're doing a drag race or up by English Town Newark or something on the street, and that's how this stuff started. Then somebody started, you know, said, well, let's start formalizing it and make tracks where the rest of you nuts can't be up there right. <laughs> killing people <laughs> right, right. at 11 o'clock at night, you know. But but honestly, it's a very easy entry point for people who just want to go out and experience the feel of the launch, you know, to really get on your car and just like nail it and go down the straight line. Um, you can do it with your streetcar. But then again, the slip of soap happens. <laughs> right, right. Let's continue down the path of where you started. So that's drag racing. You were sure. just talking about So I started with club racing. And, um, you know, there's there's a lot of clubs out there. And I'm going to try to be equal opportunity to all of them. So there's SECA, which is Sports Car Club of America. There's NASA, which is National Auto Sports Association. There's the Porsche Club, there's a BMW Club, there's an Audi Club. Almost every car brand has a, a club associated with it. Um, there's a, a website 
uh, it's not a website, it's a, a motorsportsreg.com, and it's a listing of all of the events. You can put your zip code in, and it will spit out organizations um, or organizations that are doing events within whatever geographic radius you put in. And you can see autocross events, you can drag, drag racing events, um, road course events, everything's on there. You can see everything in motorsports that's happening, as I said, within the geography. So I kind of started with um, NASA, National Auto Sports Association. There's 13 regions across the country. Why did you pick that? I, because the guy who put up the auction item that I bid on, he picked that. And so that was my entree. And it was, uh, it included a day at New Jersey Motorsports uh, Park in, in Millville, New Jersey, which was close to where I was living at the time. And it was a rental of a BMW race car, um, E30, which is the, you know, late uh, 80s, early 90s body style. And there's a spec class for that. And so I got in that. And I, I mean, when I tell you, I had no idea what I was doing. That's like, was it manual? It was manual. Are all race cars manual? Not anymore. Not going to let you feel that. No, because that's another thing, because the younger generation, I know how to drive manual. I actually love driving manual. And once you drive mm -hmm. manual, you love right. any type of racing. I don't know how you do that. Right. But it, it's, um, mm -hmm. so are all of them manual? For the most part, in the past, the answer has been yes. But what's happened lately is we now have paddles. So the paddle shifting where the, you know, you're, you're still, you have the ability to shift. It's up on the steering wheel and it's like click up and down. That is, it's like a, it's like a quasi. But automatics just don't typically, I'll tell you where automatics are. In drag racing, a lot of it is automatic. It really is. Because you want, like that, that shift point where you're trying to just get a pure ET, you know, lapse time that is X. You have to tell them, when you drag race, you literally say, I am going to run down this track at 10.4 seconds. So you, you mm -hmm. dial in your time. Mm -hmm. And so for you to hit that perfectly, you can't be missing shifts and stuff. So right. oftentimes people will use an automatic for that. But in a road course, where you're literally going maybe down a hill and a sharp hairpin turn, like your automatic just cannot keep up with the demands of all of a sudden you're shifting from here to here to here and I can go down three gears. And they're, they're great transmissions, but they just don't not necessarily. Typically, it's mm -hmm. talking about road racing. It's not the traditional standard. I, am I right on that? Because what I'm what I'm noticing that it's it's like a up and a back motion, not like the H. Well, they, there is a sequential gearbox in some in some cars, but, but let's let's then again for the for your audience. Yeah. Okay. There are so many different versions of cars out there. You can just take you just take the BMW line or take the line of take a take the Mustang line, which is a very common car for people mm -hmm. to own. You know, a lot of your listeners may have mm -hmm. Mustangs, the Camaros, that. So there are different versions of that car. And you could already, you know, you could be in a Ford Focus or you could be in something that's or you could I be saw a Chevy Spark. Yes, right. right at the racetrack. Right. Yeah. And I saw them. Right. What? Right. A sequential gearbox is not going to be in any of the type of cars that you're talking about here for the, the person who's just their daily right. driver. These would be cars that are way more high end. They're probably $150,000, $200,000 cars, or 
your car that somebody has taken, like an E46 BMW, and just totally converted it into a really high-end race car. You know, that, that would rank for $20,000 a weekend. And I'm bringing this up because... <laughs> right, exactly. You can, you can rent a car. Yeah, you can rent a car. You can rent a car for the, for the racetrack. Really? So you can rent... Um, you know, there's there's people out there who rent track cars, and some of them rent... Ballpark idea of cost? Um, probably... Five hundred dollars a day, something like that, and they're put it in perspective. And there, and there are people who rent race cars as well. So, um, I mean, you can rent a a BMW E30 for probably eight or nine hundred dollars. So you said it's about eight hundred to nine hundred dollars if you want to do an actual race car, which is probably not recommended, I imagine, for the new person. I think when you start out, you can just rent a regular track car, but renting a fully prepared race car is not a bad idea because you have so many more safety options and um, you have a fully caged car and and we think that makes a lot of sense. So you would recommend? I do. Yes, I would recommend going the the full race car. And I can add to that, which would be... Um, you would have someone at the track with you because most likely you're not going to rent a car and they're just going to give it to you. <laughs> they're going to be there supporting you. Yeah. Which, if you had any idea that you wanted to do something, whether you wanted to race or not, you would have people right there helping you. So it's you could spend 500 and rent a car for the day or 400 or whatever and just go on your own and get some, maybe get an instructor driver, but to have somebody who really has a full prepared car you know it's balanced, you know it's set up, and, and this person knows the car in and out. If, it, if you could afford it, that would be a great way to go. Right. We're actually partnered with um, David Tawadi and David Lada out of Miami, Florida. They have uh, TLM USA, and we have... Is, is that a club? Is that a it, club? No, TLM USA, it, they are providers of race cars. So people who have race cars, they have a shop and they will prepare their race cars for the track and they provide track support, but then they also have about eight cars, I think, that they rent um, just for people to go racing. So at at every level of racing, um, they will prepare the car. They will be there, as Karen said, with full track support. Um, What does that mean exactly? Track support. support, So so basically what they offer is what, what we call arrive and drive. So you drive up to the racetrack in your daily driver, you get out of the car, you shake hands with the two Davids, and they show you the car that you've rented for the day, and they make sure that the belts fit you and that the windshield is cleaned and that the oil's in it, that the tire pressures are exactly what they should be. And then David also, um, they have coaches that if you want to, you know, get private coaching, you can use one of their coaches as well. Um, so they they provide kind of soup to nuts of you so want to get a race car. It's exactly, it's right. exactly your own. And they have a beautiful rig, and there you are. And you, and They'll you give you lunch and water, water and, and yeah, um, it's a great way to go. They, they actually come to the track with a refrigerator <laughs> and, and full of like Gatorade and water. Exactly, exactly. 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 Yeah. So um, you know, if you want it, that's that's the luxury option if you want to try that out. But they have you know, very well-prepared cars and a, a crew that's unbelievable. And, um, yeah, if you, if you want to really get into it, that's... that's. So I want to make sure that cost doesn't become a, a barrier for women. Okay. So 
let's let's figure out you know because it dropping 500 to a thousand dollars some women may not be able to right. do that especially just for a weekend right. what what are other options to like dip their toes okay in? here's here's what someone could do and we can take we'll, we'll take the the two leading track day organizations sports car club of america and national office board Associations. they both have huge programs been around a long time scca is like been since post-World War II, it's huge. So there's a, there's many regions, as NASA is as well. They're just a little newer in the business. But if you just wanted to find a car, borrow your friend's car, you don't even have a car, get a car of some kind, mm-hmm. go to the track, and you can register for a track day. You want to do one day. Let's say you don't want to do the whole weekend. Because these usually happen on a Saturday, Sunday. Mm-hmm. You know, Most people will show up on Friday night, stay in a hotel, whatever. If you want to just go on the on the absolute budget, borrow a car from somebody who says you find can do the closest it. track find to you. Find the closest I'm talking track out loud, to you. Right? Mid Ohio and the closest track you. Go on that track or go to SCCA NASA website. Find out when they're running there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Register for a one day HPDE one. What's that mean? HPD High Performance Driver Experience. Okay. Okay. Register for that. It'll probably be two hundred fifty dollars or something like that. I'm giving a ballpark. You need the whole weekend's probably three or three fifty. Yeah. Every track is different, and bigger tracks cost more. And it's yep. it's all a factor of what the track organization, what the organization has to pay for everything. Yep. They have to have ambulances and all this stuff. You know. Got everything. it. Everything. So let's say two to three hundred. You're gonna go. Sorry about that. <laughs> two to three hundred dollars. You are gonna be able to get on track, have an instructor driver sit with you. And go for the day. The only other thing you're paying for is gas. That's that's it. That's it. So I don't think you could get on. You might be able to do 150 or something. Maybe it's cheaper, but it does cost money to to is rent that track. Is that per driver? Yeah, it would be per driver, okay. right? And you it's might not car based. So so in other words, I'm just going through. Hey, I'm my friend and I both like doing it. We're both going to be driving the same car. I've seen them let people split a car for the day. So you right. could do half and half. Yeah. Not every track day group will allow that. Okay. So it's it's some of it is just it's dependent. But you can ask. You okay. say I'll do the morning session. You do the afternoon session. Just make sure your instructor driver knows that. Yeah. Because they, somebody gets in the car with you at one o'clock and they're figuring you did two sessions and they're like, oh, this is my first session. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Now, how many? If so, you sign up for a day. Let's say you sign mm-hmm. up for a, a day at the track. How many races do you actually get to do? It would be sessions. Yeah, that's what they call them, yeah. Because okay. you wouldn't be racing, you would be doing track sessions. Okay. And you would typically get four. You four. might get five, but it'd be probably four is, is the pretty much the standard during the day. How many laps is that? What is one session? Each session is 20 to 30 minutes. So, so it's you're time probably, based. yeah, it's time based. Right. And let's say that, you know, let's just do the math of it. If it's a one minute and 45 second lap, let's mm-hmm. just say a two minute lap, let's yeah. average it, and you have 20 minutes. Do the math, and there you have the <laughs> Sounds so elementary, but I'm again. These are probably the same questions other women have. What do you wear? Oh, good huh. question. What do you wear? Uh, blue jeans, closed toe shoes. Some tracks allow you to wear short sleeves. Others require that you wear long sleeves. So a t-shirt, shorter long sleeve t-shirt, a pair of blue jeans, and a pair of sneakers. And then you're you you're, you can a lot of clubs will have helmets that you can rent. Um, or again, borrow a helmet from a friend. It's got to be a current driving helmet. It can't be a motorcycle helmet. There are different requirements um, of safety between a motorcycle helmet and a driver's helmet. Yeah. Is there a 
any safety things that are required to not do a session? Not for your first experience. Um, You'll get to the racetrack. You'll have to take everything out of your car. Um, The floor mats, the, you know, trash that you've been building up for three days. (laughs) You know, your easy cabs, your garage door opener. What about the trunk? Right. Typically, if it's in the trunk and not completely secured, they'll probably take it out anyway. Anything that potentially (laughs) can become a projectile comes out of the car. Got it. And you just, you know, bring a bring a uh, Rubbermaid bin or a big Tupperware mm-hmm. bin. You throw everything in the bin. You leave it there, and um, off you go. Bring water. Um, you want to have a lot of water to drink. So we talk you don't a little get bit about dehydrated. I noticed that because a lot of people think, ah, I'm just driving. Right. But I've noticed racers mm-hmm. hydrate a lot. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a physiological stretch for. Because you probably wouldn't everyone. be run, running your AC while you're. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Although, although I have listened to people, you know, uh, have some great stereos going. You know, <laughs> it is kind of a rush to go out there and do these things. But um, when it comes to hydration, yes, indeed. And you're out there, especially for new people. For new people, it, the anxiety level can be a little high. The adrenaline level is going up, and all of that is burning and burning inside of you. So. And, it, and especially if you live in the South, I'm sorry, but I mean, to run it, go to Atlanta or go down to Talladega or attract even BIR with the Virginia International. I mean, it's so stinking bloody hot out there. You're sweating and sweating and your body is just losing fluids and, you know, and, and electrolytes and that. A lot of people will bring something that is not just water, but something that's more like a Pedialyte level kind of electrolyte replacement. Or just for driving right. around. It just for driving yeah. around. Yeah. So... Oh, the mental, the mental part of this, which causes your body to really go through physiological changes. There's people that get out and their muscles are so tight in their arms because they're just, you know, they're, it's really not that difficult. But there are people that, you know, they talk about it's mind over matter. And all of a sudden you're on a racetrack and your head yeah. is like, you know, you're I'm like sitting you're, here thinking about it. Right, right, yeah, right, exactly, right. Like, we need to drink water right now. Yeah. <laughs> Getting caught in hell thinking about it. <laughs> So, again, this is curiosity more than anything. When you go do this road racing, are the windows typically down? Yes, and that's also a safety thing. So you want the windows down. Uh, If there's a passenger in the car with you, which if you have an instructor, um, that window will be down. The driver's window will be down. Um, If there's not an instructor, would that happen? Yeah, they put them. I imagine yeah, for yeah. airflow. Well, and it's it's not only for that. And and here's the here's the, there's upside to doing this, and there's a downside to doing this. People, you know, you can go off the track. If somebody needs to get you out of the car, they won't have to be dealing with the window. Let's say the door now does not open, and we need to get you out. Yeah. We want as we want a place to be able to get you out through. Yeah. So typically, the windows are down, and it would be both of them just for sheer. Safety's sake, especially an HPDE, so high performance driver. At, Thanks you know, for the translation. Yes. I'm, I'm picking Experience it up. Now. One, okay, one, and and honestly, typically when you have an instructor with you, you don't go off and and things you work up to it. And as a matter of fact, here's the good news for women. Okay, I've I've instructed at this point thousands of people in my in my years doing this. Women are better at learning this than men. Period. Why? And the reason is is because we're timid and we work up to it. Like by and large, whereas and I and I'm and I and I love men. I'm believe me, I've instructed a lot of them. But typically speaking, 
a guy will come in and he'll be a little more confident, overconfident. If you're going to make a bet of who's going to go off the track at the beginning of the day, okay, the women would probably not be the ones that at the end of the day would have went off the track because they're working up to it. Yeah. They're, they're getting their confidence. They're work- Whereas, like I said, at the very beginning, guys show up and do stuff. We need to be invited. And so somehow or another, they got themselves there. And it might be their boyfriend said, go out on the track. And they're still going to be most likely, I'm talking in the bell curve world, most likely going to be more timid and working up to it. So then they don't go past the limit. They find the limit. As a matter of fact, it's hard to get them sometimes to go to the limit. It's like, you can stay in the throttle a little more here. Like, yeah. they're like, whoa, you know, they're worried. Where guys like, oh, well, we just went off, you know? Yeah. Like, and and women nature. tend to listen better as well. Mm-hmm. Um, because, as Karen said, we're, we're not coming in with this bravado of we know how to do this. We're coming in with, so tell me how to do this. Mm-hmm. And so we tend to also be better listeners. Mm-hmm. Oh, but I, I will say this. Over the last, especially the last five years, maybe 10 years, um, less of the men are coming in with that bravado thing. And I think, I think I've just seen some, some more gender equality in terms of people saying, you know, help me learn this. Mm-hmm. I want to, there's some ego parking that's going on. I think just culturally yeah. our, our culture is changing. And, and of course the age ranges and as we go from baby boomers to the, you know, X and Y and all the different gen, I think there's more of an equality in terms of, um, Guys really now are probably listening more mm-hmm. and, and trying to understand kind of how the world works. This is just generally speaking, from what I can tell. From your experience. I, have, I, I get less, yeah, I, I, I get very rarely do I get any stuff on track from people. Whereas when I started stock car racing way back, people just said, you shouldn't be here and I'm going to run you into the wall. And they did. You know, I mean, that's, that was the world then. But that would not be typically the world now. So even if somebody wanted to go into dirt track racing, and I go to the dirt track races now pretty regularly. That was a they, gift they, my they, partner got they, me. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, they <laughs> don't. They, they don't. You just don't see that happening anymore, or or very much. I mean, yeah. it, it would be rare as before. It was so. I, more I think we're, I think culturally we're changing. That that's encouraging. Mm-hmm. A little bit of a question. So there's road racing, and then there's rally racing. Mm-hmm. What is Rally racing looks interesting as well, because that's that's like road and off road, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, well and actually, rally usually is two people in a car that's completely not designed for the street whatsoever. For the most part, it is off road. It is like using almost like forest roads or <laughs> dirt roads. Okay, and I'm talking I'm talking like real rally, like world rally, or have you ever like road shotgun or anything? One of them? No, I wouldn't. I just wouldn't. That would not be for me. A, I, well, if I was going to do anything, I'd drive. Yeah. <laughs> because, because I don't want to be that. Because the navigator, I mean, this is crazy. People would even go, I get motion sickness like crazy. Like people go, you're a race car driver. I'm like, yeah, as long as I'm driving, I'm, I'm the same way. Yeah. No. Just like driving on like yeah. regular driving. Right. I get motion sickness sitting in the passenger seat. Exactly. And some people are really bad in the back seat. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like they, even somebody will tell me I get motion sickness. I'm like, well, go move to the front seat. See if it's better. Yeah. And if not, then tell me you want to drive. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> if you if you drive anyway, so I would never be the navigator. I, I wouldn't be able because they typically have a map strapped to their leg. And it's telling them by like I don't even know for sure how they mark it, but literally the person has their hand out and they're going 
like this and this and left. You can't see what I'm doing, but I mean left and right moving and moving your hand. Right. right. And and there's codes they use for, you know, in in three clicks or in two clicks. And I mean it's like it's it's crazy stuff. It's crazy stuff. So and and they go flying off into the trees. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, I've yeah, seen. Yeah. Some I would of encourage them go look on YouTube, find Rally Race, and go look at it. And yeah. you'll say, "Holy cow, people really do this." And, I and, yeah. <laughs> I, I I tell you what, once I started, I'm not sure I would do that. It's interesting to me. I think where I would have the most fun is the road racing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That uh, that just looks kind of cool. Yeah, it's it's a blast. And and honestly, the truth is, it provides you with skills that make you a better street driver. Yeah. Um, you yeah. learn to anticipate, you learn to look far ahead so that you can source trouble before you're involved in it. <laughs> yeah, it's that you scan differently. Exactly. Right. It's almost like you become a more defensive driver. Well, and indeed, and plus with road racing, um, we run in the rain too. So Christina mentioned that, and that thought, I'm like, going 140 miles an hour? On a wet track, yeah. like with other people, right? <laughs> right by yourself, with these right? right. Yeah, it's it's it right, and it, but here's what happens: you start slow, work up to it. There are some people that just don't want to race in the rain at all. I mean, even people I run with now, they'll just say, you know what, I'll y'all risk go. reward. Yeah, exactly. The plastic trophy, I do it right. Not do it right. The I'm, I'm one of those. Right. It's mm-hmm. raining. I'm happy to pack it in. Yeah. 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 One one final question around that. I think I um well, well let me, I'm gonna give go you ahead. something else to think about because one of the race types of racing that we haven't talked about, which happens to be one of my favorites, is ice racing. Whoa. So in, ice racing in as much as I will not drive in the rain, I I found a passion for ice racing. So I essentially Yeah, essentially it's a frozen lake. Um, I did this in upstate New York with the Adirondack Motorsports Club. Uh, It's like A-C-M-E or A-M-E-C. But Frozen Lake, they plow out a course, and then you go generally, they have two classes. Generally, it's street legal, uh, two-wheel drive, and four-wheel drive. And then there's a non-street legal that you're on studded snow tires. And usually they use the dirt cars um, the, the kind of dirt-winged cars for the non-street legal portion of it. But the street legal is just a blast. They require snow tires. Mm-hmm. But other than that, you go out in your class of either two-wheel or, or all-wheel, and it's just ridiculous amount of fun. Oh, gosh. <laughs> that's, that's like a and you're generally low speed. I mean, you yeah. know, you're getting to 40, 50 miles an hour, it's considered fast. It's usually a pretty small course, but um, they they you know pride themselves on it being no contact and yeah. uh, pretty strict rules about that. But you know sometimes you're on ice, you, right? You know, the, right. The ice wins. Well, I, I tell you what, I I could see how that would make you a better driver. Period. Exactly. Just knowing how a car reacts, right? In which way to turn the wheel and getting the practice around that. Right. So I actually remembered my question, and it is okay. applicable to that as well, is if you are a new, I'm going and doing my initial sessions. I'm already nervous, right? But there's other people out there with you, right? So right. you're learning yourself. In these, like, beginner-type sessions that you sign up for, how many other 
cars are typically out on the track with you? It depends on the track because one of the things that all of the clubs will do is they will put a limit. So it depends if the track is a mile and a half versus two miles and a half. The two mile and a half track can obviously um, hold more people. So they make sure that the number of people is not too many for the session. But, you know, there could be anywhere from 25 to 45, depending on the length of the racetrack. Right. And just another, just quick thought. So I was thinking about for budget racing, we want to get in. There are a number of groups around the country that actually do endurance racing. Um, They used to be called Chump Car, used to be Lemons. So Lemons Racing, and I'm I'm not even sure what all the names are now, but people can look them up. Basically, you take a car, and the car cannot be worth more than $500. You can add safety items to it, like a roll cage and things like that. There's things you want to have. But, like, I know people that four people. It's called Chump Racing? Well, now it's Champ Car. Champ Car, and so Champ Car, and the other is... Yeah, (laughs) I think so. Yeah, and the other one is Lemon. I think lemons right. is still running. So lemons and so, and it's kind yeah. of a play on words with Le Mans, with this, which is one of the biggest forms of racing ever yeah. in France. But yeah. it's lemons racing, not lemon cars. Yeah, yeah. correct. Okay. So, so basically, right. four of us get together, so let's find four people, and we buy a car, and it's just a. I'll use the words the, the acronym POS. Yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah. No, pile of shit. It's all good. It's a POS car. No one else would run for anything else. You strip it. And you, you need to put a roll cage in it. Or you can buy POS cars that have been former, you know, Lemons cars that somebody's not running anymore. Yeah. You find them and they cost nothing. And then you sign up for this thing. You don't even have to have a race license. But you're out there with other people racing on a track. And it's, and it's, and it's. What kind of track is it? It'll be, it'll be a road course. A road course. course. And I mean, I mean, just look them up. Look up Lemons, Champ Car, Chump Car. I mean, it's crazy fun. And so, if just a group of people want to get together and split the cost, it wouldn't be tremendous. And you don't put a ton of money in. You don't put a ton of money in. As a matter of fact, they used to have it. It used to be so much fun. They actually had this like mechanical. It looked like a giant T Rex thing. Uh-huh. And at the end of it, they would pick a car up and they would actually crush your car. <laughs> like if you won, that was your trophy because your car came back to like in a wad. It's just it's 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 just total tongue in cheek fun. Yeah. But it's a way to get on track, and you can do it and have fun with your friends. You just brought up something interesting. In order to do a session as a beginner, do you have to have a race license? No, no, no. no. Okay. And is a race, I'm assuming a race license is different than a regular license? Yes. Yeah, so is that you, a code on your license? That you no, no, no. So you actually will go to a competition school. So, again, car clubs have, um, SCCA has a licensing school nasa has a licensing school so if you go back and forth between the two you have to get a license at each one well, they recognize each other's do they yeah, right. yeah, okay. yeah, right. um, well let's just put it this way top-notch organizations who know the standard and they've been in the industry for a long time and then there's levels like there's imsa which is way higher than what we would do and you know indycar and things like that these uh, these would be you know more difficult licenses to obtain you know, like an FIA license, which would be over from Europe, harder to get than, when I say harder to get, it doesn't mean you're less confident, but they just require more because the speeds that people are running and, and the level in which they're racing, you you get that license after you've proven yourself. Yeah. And there's people that even go from, they have, they have ranks of it, like bronze to silver to platinum to gold, and you're rated based on your experience and your performance. 
mm-hmm. and you know, so it's 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 a, the whole licensing piece of this is something that's you know, we could spend a day just talking about that about how you get a license. But but for what start, we do, you need nothing. You, you show up. Right. You need a regular here. driver's license. Yeah. But, a, but that's it. And then race licenses are not. Um, they're not state sanctioned. Um, like you don't go to the DMV to get that. You have to take a specific uh, driving school specifically for a race license. Got it. And you need to practice before you do that. So. Yeah, yeah, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot involved in it. There's a lot involved in it. Wow. Okay. This is a lot of great information. I'm going to sum it up, and you guys keep me honest here. To get started. All I need is a car. It doesn't even have to be my car. I simply go to the track. And even even before then, I could go and watch one and talk to some of the drivers. Correct. To just kind of get a feel, see what it looks like. Correct. Go on the organization's website that you want to go to the track event for and sign up for the day or the weekend. And then show up with the car. Exactly. Take Long pants, the, closed toe shoes, and a shirt. Yeah, take all the stuff <laughs> out of the car and strap in. Yeah. They'll uh, require you to go through tech, car tech. Yeah. Um, so they'll look at the car and make sure that it's safe yeah. for you to go out there. You're not missing that, lug nuts. Or, exactly. Right. right. You exactly. Don't have a flat tire. Right. Right. Exactly. The safe right. Battery's not going to come flying out. And yeah. Something like that. Right. Basic stuff. Tech. Right. And, then, and then the greatest thing about the really the, the good the good, when I say good, the competent track day groups will actually have obsession. Like you'll go out on track and then you literally come back in and everybody talks about how it went, what happened here. Because if something happened on track, then they actually, I mean, it's a community that they're building. So you will get one-on-one in the car and then you will typically go to a session where you're like, okay, how did everything's called and, down? And by the reputable ones. Yeah. It's the, the ones two that, that you mentioned. The ones that, yeah, the ones, exactly. It, yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. SCCA, it's NASA, and it's every the BMW every car club, club out there. BMW yeah. club, Porsche club. When I say club, reputable, meaning like like we're talking, I'm trying to provide information to people who I know that when they go to these organizations, they are safely run. Mm-hmm. They have a standard. They have a benchmark. They have a great track record. Their safety level is great. You can find other people that just you know go out and go have fun at the track. Doesn't mean it's going to be a bad thing. But for somebody who was like, and I think of the people we're talking to today in your audience as our friends. Yeah. So our friends, who would we send our friends to? We'd send our friends to, to organizations that we know are vetted and are safe. And, and we can trust that. Yeah, exactly. Right. Because if it was my mom, my dad, my sister, my brother, I get a good experience, it's going to be safe. Yeah. And it pretty much if, if um, we send your listeners to motorsportsrag.com, anybody who's on there who's having an event, that's going to be a, a pretty good barometer of this mm-hmm. is going to be a good organization. Wow. I think I'm ready to go. I just yeah, need right? someone to trust me with their car. There you go. <laughs> so I go. can buy my Playgirl car. <laughs> <laughs> so as a uh, something that we do at the Femcanic Garage podcast is we have a red line round. And what it is is this five rapid Fire questions. There's no right or wrong answer to it. Whatever pops into your head first is the right answer. Okay. So who wants to go first? All right. I'll go go for it. (laughs) Sure. Okay. All right, Lynn. Who or what has been your inspiration throughout your journey in the industry? Karen Salvaggio, my business partner. Right to the, well, to the left of you right now. (laughs) 
Two, where do you go or what resources do you use when you want to learn something new or get stuck? YouTube and Google. I, I hear you. Well, <laughs> my partner and I are working on a 65, 40 pound of line band right now. YouTube. Every right. And it's all out there. It is. Right. right. If you can read, you can do it. Yeah. Now you can watch. watch. You don't even need to read anymore. What excites you most about what you do? Getting up in the morning and knowing that it's a new day. A personal habit or practice that helps you significantly in this industry when you feel stuck, unsupported, or discouraged. Personal habit. My gut and use my tribe. Tribe. Ooh, <laughs> use your tribe. Um, I, I, I am very fortunate that I have a lot of supportive friends mm -hmm. in my tribe. Love it. <laughs> what is your parting advice to other femcanics finding their way in their or introduction into the motorsports industry? Um, know that you can do it. Uh, one of the things we say at Shift Up Now is clarity, confidence, and courage. So keep it simple. Keep it simple. Know that you can. All right, Karen, you're up. You ready? I'm ready. <laughs> Same questions, mm -hmm. except for you had a chance to think about it. <laughs> Which is totally not fair, yeah. but it's all right. <laughs> right. Who or what has been your inspiration through your journey in the industry? Right. Well, I'm going to say two things. One is, honestly, I, I, I cannot be <laughs> inspired by people who went ahead of me, people who I could see on TV, and people that, that actually... Can you do some name-dropping for us? Yeah. Well, you know, Lynn St. James, Janet Guthrie, Shirley Muldowney. Those are the big three, and, you know, Sarah Fisher later. And Do you, you hang know, out with them? I, I Actually, I have gotten to know them, and they are amazing people. I have never met Shirley Muldowney, but everyone else, yes, and they are amazing people. And the greatest thing about being, about who your inspiration is, People that inspire me are people who have made their way, but then they turn around, reach back, and put their hand out to the person who's coming behind Say, come them. come with me. Right. Come with me. Right. Let me lift you. Let me help you. It's one of the greatest things about those women in automotive conference where we are right now. Mm -hmm. There is an entire room of women in there that are doing that for the next generation, for the people behind them, and we're all rising together. So those people, and by name or all of them, and honestly, Lynn right here, my partner, she's... This woman was not in the industry five years ago, and she's created an organization that I'm blessed and fortunate to be a part of, which is making a difference. Mm -hmm. She's reaching back, and she didn't she didn't even get in here nearly as long as others who aren't. Yeah. It's, it's inspirational. I concur. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Where do you go, or what resources do you use when you want to learn something new and get stuck? I'm the same thing. Google and YouTube. And I'm just on the internet like crazy. Yeah. Because we can find answers to it. There's like hardly a question you can't find an answer to. It's true. Mm -hmm. So true. What excites you most about what you do? <laughs> Being able to drive race cars fast with other people is totally exciting. But the behind the scenes of that, of what we're doing to build our tribe of women racers, which really is what Shift Up Now is doing. And before that, I was with. I still have a website called Thunder Valley Racing. 25 years of doing that. Building the tribe of women in this industry and helping them rise by bringing in outside resources and people who can see our mission. Um, that's it's totally exciting to me. It's, it, we are going places that people never dreamed we could do. 
I get goosebumps just thinking about it. <laughs> what is a personal habit or practice that has helped you significantly in this industry when you feel stuck, unsupported, or discouraged? Personal habit. It's about, it's everything's about building relationships, and trust is the biggest thing you can have with people and build whether it's in your personal life or in your professional life. So for me, I believe that a personal habit of building relationships with people, reaching out taking the walk down the road and finding that person and asking them and being humble enough to ask and take advice because I know I don't know everything and and it's back to the tribe but then sometimes you have to be gutsy enough to even walk outside of your tribe and say you know what I'm going to ask somebody that nobody would even ask and it's amazing what happens when you bring new people in. I so agree. It takes courage <laughs> to be able to do that though. Right. Get outside your comfort zone. What is your parting advice to other fan mechanics finding their way or introduction into the motorsports industry? Well, I think it's um, even if you don't know what you want to do in this industry, if you feel a calling here, you need to get yourself aligned with somebody or some other people that are. Come to a conference like this. Go to a shop. Go to a racetrack. If you think you have some inkling of an idea that this is a profession for you, then do not let the stories in your head stop you from stepping into your greatness because your soul and the universe are calling you and you can stay in that job that you're in or you can, you know, if it's not your calling, you'll know it because every day you go home and you're exhausted. Mm -hmm. You don't want to get up tomorrow. If you feel like that, you're not in the right place. Find the right place and don't be afraid to continue to push yourself to find the right place and, and deny negativity in your life. The people, if I listened to the people in my life who told me all the things I shouldn't be doing, they, they, when, when people stand up there and they read my bio, none of those things would have happened. Because people were like, you shouldn't do this, and you shouldn't do that, and no, you can't. Don't let people throw water on you, just push on. I, I, I love it, and it's, uh, it's extremely inspiring. Where and how... Can the Femcanics connect with you ladies? Shift up now. So shiftupnow.com, all the social media is shift up now. We tried to keep it simple. <laughs> yeah. Simple is good. Instagram, Facebook, um, you can Twitter. email, you know, you can info at shiftupnow.com, Twitter. Uh, we're, we're all over. We're trying to get the message out that everyone is welcome to join the tribe. Right. Facebook page, Facebook, all of it. And, and I, I want to mention this. I, I've been part of conferences in organizations where it seems clicky. Do you know what I'm saying by Mm -hmm. that? Sure. Um, I do not feel that way at all. At all here. Not a bit. In, in, you know, it's very inviting. So I guess to the femcanics coming from me is when they're, when, when Lynn and Karen are saying this, it is truly that it is truly reach out. This, this isn't a novelty. It's not, hey, call me, but really my door's shut. Right. It's and not. That's a testimony to the women, and it is women who formed this organization, and and their vision and their belief that everyone is welcome here. Everyone has a seat at the table. Everyone needs to turn around, reach back, pull the next person up. And the women that run this organization, and I can name them all, but, but I mean, honestly, Maybe to put a link to all the folks that run this organization because I don't want to forget idea. somebody by naming yeah. one and not the other. <laughs> but but everyone has a seat at the table. Everyone has a seat at the table, and it's so 
inspiring that they have stayed with that and it's expanded. I mean, this conference continues it's a to community. Grow. It's a sisterhood. Yes, it exactly. really is, mm-hmm. and and it's it's not the catty stuff you see on TV. Right, not at all. That the way that you know mm-hmm. society and, and social media and media in general portrays quote unquote women. Right, right. It's it's so different and dynamic. I would like to add one thing also because we're we're internal here, building on our tribe of women race car drivers. And I think it's important, and of course, I'm, I work on my cars, I build cars, I can do all those things as well. It's important for women to know that the cattiness and the backstabbing, and if you're into drama, like the rest of us who are not are going to reject you out of our lives. Like you can build your own shop somewhere and have all your drama stuff you want to have, but we don't have time for it. No, we don't. And so what we believe in, like we say, if somebody's crown is tipped, we're going to fix it. We're going to go over and make sure when they go We're out. We're not going to try to take it. Right. We're right. not going to try and take it. Bachelor. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Because the cattiness. And, and uh, honestly, this is, this is a truism about women in society. We tend to be that from time to time. And we can be backstabbing. We can, I mean, we can be like, we all play in the sandbox nice sometimes. And honestly, if you are aligned with someone like that and you want to soar in this industry, depart from their from their relationship with them because like you can't the negativity needs to go away the drama needs to go away it's those people from our lives focus on the mission exactly instead yeah. of the static anybody who's right. a buzzkill and needs to be voted off the island we shoot them out right now <laughs> right. go away because you're killing them you're killing us here you're killing the vibe right right i mean tv yeah. likes to portray it that way i've turned down so many tv shows that they wanted to do their cat fight and i'm like out yeah. And if you think laying on the hood of a car with your clothes off is the right way to go, eh, eh, wrong answer. Okay. <laughs> I filter through Connie and I mm-hmm. from Girls Behind the Gun had this conversation. We're, we're very mm-hmm. methodic and very intentional about what we share. Mm-hmm. It's not, hey, that's that one cool post. I'm going to go in and look at your profile and see how you portray yourself. Exactly. Because yeah. it's a femcanic image. Right. It's a sisterhood. Yeah. It's it's a lifestyle. And, and don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with 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 being with with sex appeal or with being with dressing like where people go, oh my god, she's hot. Right. Like I don't see anything wrong with that. What I see wrong with it is when you're selling your soul, you know, when you're selling your very character to to earn some kind of recognition. Because then obviously you don't have the talent to pull something else in. It's your only fallback. Go get some skill. Yeah, I'm with you. It, be more dynamic. Yeah, right. right. Perfect. But be hot. Wear the, wear the heels. I love sweaters. Let's go. Yeah, I just don't like to walk around in them. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But we wear flip-flops and carry the sweater. There you go. And then slip them off for the How photo. How many women have you seen at this conference today doing that? I know. You know they've got their, their little bag and they're, 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 the heels are in Like, the oh, and it's photo-op time. Let me put my shoes right. on. Right. Right. Exactly. It's right. brilliant. Trade secret, ladies. Yeah, trade right. secret. The, the picture, 10 seconds before the picture. It was right. flip oh, That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Lynn Schultz Kehoe, Shift Up Now, I'm a Femme Cannon. Karen Salvaggio, Shift Up Now, I'm a Femme Cannon. Woo! Woo! Thank yeah. you so much. Awesome. The next episode embodies the Femme Cannon spirit. Linda Mech is in the driver's seat, and she is the shop owner of a Woman's Worth Restoration Shop in Tucson, Arizona. Not only does she share lessons learned around opening her own shop, 
but she dives into what it means to explore our worth as a woman. She gets vulnerable and shares about her journey battling an opiate addiction clear through sobriety. Enjoy this powerful episode. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening to the Femcanic Garage Podcast. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Femcanic Garage. Check out our website, femcanicgarage.com, for swag and the transcribes for each episode. If you want to help grow this community, do me a favor and subscribe, rate, review, and most importantly, share this podcast. Spread the word. This is Jamie B. signing off. Are you a femcanic?